0: We thank you for saving us. We thank you for loving us. Lord, I pray that you would bring your servant now as he brings a word. Anoint him, Lord. Give us good ears to hear what you have to say. Bless him, Lord, as he comes. Bless us as we listen. Amen. Please take your seats. Morris, we welcome you. Technology. We can do, technology. How about that? do you remember about the chaos in Genesis? <laughs> Seems that like we got it in Junction Ten as well this morning. Now uh, we're delighted to see you all this morning. Good to see such a good company. You obviously hadn't heard that I was preaching, and uh, I did hope that folk could keep it very, very quiet indeed. Uh, now uh, we've had the laughter medicine this morning. And it's perfectly okay to laugh in church. You know, the gospel is a gospel of love, joy, peace, hope, and obedience. And you can't be joyful without laughing, can you? It's very difficult. Just say joy to somebody and see if you can do it without smiling. No, it's very difficult, isn't it? And God likes us to be happy, and I'm so glad about that. And uh, I was uh, thinking about this service and Rachel texts me the names of the two children. So I always used to look up the names and uh, sometimes talk about that. So I looked up Hannah and I thought, well, that's pretty easy. That means grace. That means the favour of God. And then there was this other name, Viancie. Well, I thought, I don't know what that is, So, I went into a certain bookstore and had this section on pregnancy and then right there were all these books on babies' names. So, I went through six of them. (laughs) And um, I expected at any minute to have the security guard put his hand on my shoulder and say, what's your game then? But he didn't. But I looked on the web and, uh, excuse me, I put it on the web and uh, I got some answers. And it was a railway company uh, in, Zam- in Zambia. Well, that didn't do very well. And then I, I, I looked further and I found, I found this. It said that V stood for so-and-so, Y stood for so-and-so, N stood O stood for so-and-so, N stood for so-and-so, S stood for so-and-so, I stood for so-and-so. And I thought, I can't remember all that but I remem- I, it did hit me that was an ingenious way of giving a child six Christian names but only have, having to remember one. So that sounds, uh, that sounds very good, what they were doing there. Now I'm just going to pray, if that's okay with you. I'm not shutting my eyes. Don't think I'm irreverent. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the immense privilege of being in your pre- the presence of your Holy Spirit in this service. And I want to thank you for everyone that's here. And you know every heart, and you know every need, and you know where everyone is at at this moment of time. And I thank you that through your word you will speak to us. Help us to be good listeners, but help us to be obedient as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, while we're in this lovely dedication service this morning, it's worth reminding ourselves as well that it is a God opportunity for all of us to examine and evaluate our own lives and our own standing with the Lord. Our Heavenly Father is very generous in His undiminishing love, and He loves His children to be close to Him. And I wonder, sometimes we can slip away Sometimes we can move away. You know, the Laodicean church, the Lord said to them that they had, they were lukewarm. They were neither hot nor were they cold. And I know that it's possible to sit in a service week after week and be spiritually lukewarm. But God wants us to be hot for Him. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember that initial? love, joy that you had, that excitement, that exuberance, that passion to share the gospel with everybody. Have we lost that? Well, we can get that back. And in this dedication service, we can dedicate ourselves to the Lord once more. It's possible that there may be some in our service this morning who are bruised and bewildered, discouraged folk, Folk who ran well with the Lord. But somehow you've got sidetracked. Somehow circumstances have caused you to slip away. And you feel an absolute failure. I want to tell you that the good shepherd, that's our good shepherd, doesn't see you like that. Yes, he sees the bruises. Yes, he sees the hurt. Yes, he sees the misunderstanding. But he just wants to come and minister to you and bring his healing, and bringing his wholeness. And we can can let him do that, or we can say no. He wants to do a restoration job on us. And folks, I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian for 60 years, and I'm still a work in progress. And it doesn't matter how long we live, how long we serve the Lord, there are always more that he can do with us. I wonder... Have we come to the point in our lives where we think, God can't do any more with me? I'm too old. That's absolute rubbish, you know. God can do anything with anyone he wants to, provided we are available. And our age doesn't matter. Our education doesn't matter. Our experience doesn't matter. What does matter is that we are available to the Lord to do with us what he wants to do. So we can rededicate ourselves along that line. and it may be, excuse me, that there is some folk this morning who have never yet committed themselves to Christ. <laughs> maybe you've been coming to um, Junction 10 for a long time, maybe many years. You've enjoyed the songs, you've enjoyed the fellowship, you've enjoyed the friendship, you enjoy coming, but you've never taken that step of inviting the Lord Jesus Christ to be your personal saviour. Yes, you've heard about him. Yes, you know the story well. But to you, is just a figure of history. He has never become your Lord and saviour. Well, I trust that this morning, you will consider making a lifetime decision, the best decision that you will ever make, and invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life and a bit later on in the service, I will give an opportunity for that. Now, I guess with babies around, it reminds us of families. So you're probably not going to be very surprised that I'm going to talk to you about families this morning. Now, the backdrop that's on there now, you've probably seen that. It's in Coventry Cathedral, and uh, I think it's a lovely backdrop. The Ruins of the Cathedral... And right in the ruins there, there's this kind of reconciliation altar, if you like, saying amidst all the turmoil that's gone on, amidst all the trouble, there's a place of reconciliation. And I want to say this morning, if your life is in a mess, if you feel it cannot be sorted out, there is a place of reconciliation. And we're going to talk about that as we go uh, a little further on. Michael Snyder is the Professor and Chair of Genetics at Stanford University. And he wrote this, The family is one of the fundamental blocks of society. If you do not have strong families, then you do not have a strong society. Well, I think we would agree with that. And if the fam- family unit is... If the if family is united, it's strong, our nation will be strong. If the family of Junction 10 is united, we will be strong. We need to be united. You know, the Bible says that where brothers dwell together in unity, what happens? Have I gone deaf? What happens? The Lord commands a blessing. I don't know about you, but I'd rather like to be blessed. I'm a bit greedy. And the more I'm blessed of God, the more I want. And so, as we dwell in unity, that provides a platform for the Lord to send His blessings to us. But you know, if division comes in, when in a family, it will ruin a family. If division comes in and division sneaks in in the church, we are heading for the rocks. Now, we know there is a very omnipotent God, and we also know that there's a very real devil who thinks he's omnipotent, but he isn't. Our God is mighty. Our God is strong. And the enemy will see to get into families, he will see to get into church families, to cause division, to cause upset. And we have to be aware of that. And we have to be uh, on our toes and ready to make sure that we are not his willing agents. If the Lord wants to spoil the family, it doesn't usually send... I mean, if the devil wants to spoil the family, it doesn't usually send somebody in. It takes a family member that's disgruntled and uses them. And if the Lord... If the... Lord. The Lord of the flies. If the devil, if the devil wants to cause chaos in a church, he will look for some disgruntled, dissatisfied member, and unwittingly, we can become agents of the enemy and we need to look at ourselves and we need to examine ourselves. You know, destructive criticism, pride, selfishness, unforgiveness will put us at risk. And a disruptive family may survive for a time but eventually it will collapse. Now ladies, girls, you're going to love me for this and i said, get a gold star. This, this was a quote I came across. It says, a family consists of a husband who has an idea, the kids who say it can never be done, and the wife who does it. <laughs> do You think that's okay? Well, and it is true, I've observed as well, that while men talk about doing something, the women get on and do it. That is to their credit, and is certainly not to our credit. Husband, wife, kids. Family is an excellent idea, and it's an excellent idea because it's a God idea. Listen to what Jesus said. He's talking to the Pharisees who thought they knew everything, and Jesus said, Haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning of time, God made them male and female. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united Into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And from God's point of view, family begins with husband, man, wife, female coming together in marriage and hence providing the only God appointed setting for sexual relationships and for pairing together. Man, woman, together in unity. Sadly, our society says, that doesn't matter, don't worry about that, you can do what you want. That, that doesn't matter at all. Folks, it matters to God, and God doesn't change his mind You know, David Cameron's word will pass away. He'll pass away. But the word of God says, the word of the Lord will never pass away. The word of the Lord endureth forever. And we shouldn't be hoodwinked into believing and accepting what society says if it's contrary to what the word of God says. Now, there are at least four attitudes that are essential for a harmonious family life. Attitudes, John was talking about, motives last Sunday night. Attitudes and motives, they reflect our thinking. And like actions, they often speak louder than words. Have you ever walked by someone who doesn't want to speak to you? They don't say anything, but the frost comes across. Our attitude. And folks, I want to say that our attitude is vitally important in the work of God. We just need to have the right attitude, and we only get the right attitude when we're constantly in right relationship with the Lord and when we're living according to his word. When Paul is writing to the Ephesians, he says this, "'You were taught with regard to your former way of life "'to put off the old self, which is being corrupted and deceitful, and to be made new in the attitude of your mind. He's saying, you remember, Ephesians, how you used to think. You remember how you used to act, how you used to behave when you were not in God's kingdom, when you were in the kingdom of, of, of this world. And he's saying, but now you need to adopt new thoughts, new patterns of thinking, need god source thinking, God ways of life, God attitudes that reflect that reflects the kingdom value. So these four essentials, what are they for a, a good marriage and that? It doesn't matter whether it's the relations family or the church family, they still apply. Are they effective? Yes. God attitudes are effective. Its principles are effective provided all family members are willing to adopt. So here's the first. Respect. Now the Bible says in Peter that God shows respect to everyone. God doesn't pick and choose and say, I like that one, so I'll respect them, but I'm not too keen on him, so I won't do that. It says he respects everyone. Now, if you read the authorised version, you will know there's a verse that says, God is no respecter of persons. That is not contradictory to what I'm saying is, that means that God has no favourites. And one of the worst things that can happen in a church, in a family, is for the parents or the leaders to have favourites. That causes trouble. If you want to cause trouble, Favour one of your kids. Do you remember Jacob? He was a useless father. And he was a useless father because he favoured one child above another. If we favour one kid ab- um, above another one, they'll grow to think that God's a bit picky and like that. God isn't. God loves us all, warts and all, whoever we are, whatever we've done, whatever we've been, God loves us unconditionally. And that's how we have to be within the family, not favoring one or or favoring the other. I, I, I wonder, respect. Husbands, if someone said to your wife today, does your husband respect you, I wonder what answer you would give. And wife, If someone asked you, what would we say? Do we really respect our husbands and our wives? Now, I know, of course, that from time to time, we do have different ideas. And we do see things from different viewpoints. And Now, it's no surprise that men see things from their viewpoint and women see things from their viewpoint. But we have to learn... And I mean learn, because it doesn't come automatically, to respect the viewpoint of our spouse. We have to learn to to respect the viewpoint of other people. We may not agree with it, but we can respect that if we have a right to our viewpoint, they also have a a, uh, a right to theirs. And in any family where the husband or the wife sets themselves up as a big boss... Inevitably, it will cause trouble. Husbands, this is what the scripture says to us. You husbands must give honor and respect to your wives. Are you doing that, chaps? (laughs) Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Can you really understand a woman? But at least we've got to try. (laughs) She may be weaker than you are, now ladies, I'm reading what the scripture says, so don't lynch me when I get outside, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her so that your prayers should, sorry, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Is it possible that as a family, someone you've been praying for something for a long time, it's never taken place, it's not happening? Is it because, husbands, you're not respecting your wife? Is it because there's something going on there that needs to be straightened out? Now, wives, you don't escape either. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. Sharp intake of breath with that one these days, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them Harshly. <laughs> <laughs> D- did did you realise that in this church you can shout Amen whenever you want? <laughs> and you can shout praise the Lord whenever you want. Do you have to get permission? Parents, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And kids, you don't escape either. Children, respect and obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. That was my father's favorite scripture. And uh, if I'd upset him, he would leave the Bible in Ephesians at that verse, you know. And uh, a bit naughty, I used to leave it open and underline the other verse about do not provoke your children to anger. (laughs) But you see, we need to have an understanding, don't we, in families, husband and wife, parents, kids and parents, there needs to be that respect. That doesn't mean to say we have to agree 100% with them. But there has to be a principle of respect. Uh, Next one coming up, Josh. (coughs) I mean, uh, Phil. Uh, Communion. Now, notice I didn't say communication. Because communication can be so one sided. I said communion. That means sharing and listening to one another and talking to one another, having fellowship, you know. When, um, when I used to work, uh, well, I, I'm not saying I don't do it now, but when I used to get paid to work, um, I used to work long hours. And the only meal that we had in our family together was Sunday lunch. That was when we were all together. I used to come in at different times than that. And that was so precious. Oh, with Sunday lunch, we could have communion together. We could share with one another. We could listen. Now, I know that when you're a teenager, because believe it or not, I was a teenager once, when we're a teenager, we think our parents never listen to us. Have your kids ever said that? You don't listen to me. Now, I have found as well, on a little investigation, that kids don't listen to the parents either. And it's a case of six of one and half a dozen of the t'other most of the times, in you know. it. But we need to listen to one another. We listen to what people say and we listen to what they don't say. And you can often find more in what they don't say than what they do say. Anybody remember the trolley buses? Well, when I, when, I, when I was a child, it was a penny to go to Wolverhampton from where we lived on the trolleybus, And we used to pass a Catholic church that had a poster out for many years, and I've never forgotten it. It said, The family that prays together stays together. The family that prays together stays together. Now, that's as an individual family... And he has a church family as well, praying together. I don't know how many folk are in here this morning. A couple of hundred, Maybe 250. An angel in the disguise of Barbara. <laughs> Thank you, Barbara. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I, I guess... Less than 20% of our church meet together to pray. And we need to improve that. You see, we can say, I can pray at home. And I agree, we do pray at home. But there is something special about meeting together to pray together, to fellowship together. And I wonder if we could try and improve that. That would be very good if we could do that. So there needs to be an attitude of communion. And there needs to be an attitude of love and compassion. You know, the scriptures says, love the Lord our God with all our heart, with our soul, with our mind and our strength, and our neighbour as ourself. The starting point is loving God. But once we have experienced God's love, we've got to keep it to ourselves. No, 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 no. We've got to distribute that. You know, I've heard people say, I could never love them. If we have received God's love, we have no excuse for not loving people because we can let that love flow out through us. A family without love is like an electric fire in a winter power cut. It may seem all right, but it just doesn't work. And for the family to work, it has to be on a bedrock of genuine love. Husband for wife, wife for husband, Parents for children and children for parents. We have to do that. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what God's done. He's shown his love. And as we've received that, we've received Christ into our hearts, then, yeah, we have to show that out as well. Love can never be purchased, it can never be earned, it is a gift. And love attempts to meet and perceive the needs of every family member. It may be just listening, it may just be trying to understand. And parents, the greatest gift you can give to your kids is love. And teenagers and children, I want to tell you, the greatest gift your mom and dad can give you is love. You may think it's food or money or preferably both, but in actual fact it's love. Because in love there is security. A child that comes from a loving family feels secure because he knows he can trust mum and dad. And sometimes it may be a word of encouragement they need. Sometimes it may be a word of correction. Anybody like being corrected? We don't like being disciplined, do we? You know, the scripture says, doesn't it? All those whom I love, I correct and discipline. We correct our kids, not because we want to be punitive, but because we want to put them on the right track. We want to see them going in the right direction. And I want to say something now that's very serious. And don't lynch me on the car, park. (laughs) And I'll tell you for why I'm, I'm going to say it in a minute. And it's this, that we only hear sex mentioned in a negative way in church normally, not in a positive way. And I've found that in many, quite many families that I've dealt with, that friction has come in the family because husband and wife are not intimate. All sorts of excuses they find. Let me tell you what the scripture says. Paul is dealing with a case of immorality in the Corinthian church. And this is what he says. The husband should fill his wife's intimate needs and the wife should fill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to the husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to the wife. To ignore that scripture is to cause stress and discord in a family. Now, I understand perfectly that sometimes as people get older, for medical reasons and that, that may not always be possible. But whilst you can, be obedient to what the scripture says. I once... um, We uh, we had a lot of young people in our church and they were coming up with all sorts of ideas on sex. So I decided to talk on sex one Sunday morning. So I I didn't normally announce what I was going to do. So I said, next Sunday morning I'm talking on sex. Well, it was difficult to find a seat... Uh, the place the place was packed and I used that scripture plus a lot of other stuff as well that I'm not doing today and I finished and I came off the platform and walking down the aisle towards me was this lady, very genteel, very lovely lady had come from a very strict background and she was heading right in my direction and I tell you, I panicked and I thought, I'm roasted here. <laughs> and when she got near her, tears were flowing down her face. And I thought, Crikey, she's angry. You know, she's got tears of anger of anger. Don't you gonna do? And she used to call me my lad. And she put her hand on my shoulder and she says, My lad, my lad, if somebody had have told me that scripture 50 years ago my marriage would have been so much better. I thought you had sex for children and that was it. And that's how we lived. God has given us the gift and husband and wife, use that gift while you can. We never know what's going to happen in life. And it will cause, it will Get rid of a lot of friction in many families. I'm coming to the end of my talk now. There's just one more thing I want to say, and that is forgiveness, the attitude of forgiveness. The scripture says, Be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness really means letting something go. You know we're doing this um, Lent course on generosity and we were chatting and we said that uh, sort of sacrifice is letting something go that you really want to keep and forgiveness is letting something go that usually we want to keep. Now, we would think that as human beings we would have more sense than want to dwell on the hurts and the injuries that we'd received in life. You'd think we'd want to get rid of them. But we hang on to them, don't we? Have you ever talked to anyone who's told you their story from 10 years ago, but they're telling you and reliving it now? And all that hurt is pouring in again. All that toxic stuff, we need to get rid of that. And there's only one way we can do that, and that is by letting it go. Oh, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. If God has forgiven us, we have the gift of forgiveness. And instead of locking ourselves in prisons of unforgiveness, we can use that key to open the door and we can be freed. Oh, it's not that easy. Now, do you know the real problem with forgiveness? It's we don't want to do it. We say we can't do it, but the real thing is we don't want to do it. And we will, we will persecute ourselves for years over some trivia with unforgiveness when we could be set free and we could live life as God intended us to live. Now, I don't have time to elaborate on that this morning, but I just want to ask a few questions on the way down. You mean i forgive you? My husband ran off with another woman. And you say, it will be for my benefit that I forgive him? The answer is yes. My wife left me with three kids, had an affair with a boss at work, and you mean it's for my benefit to forgive her? Absolutely. My father abused me as a child, and you're trying to tell me that if I forgive him, it will be for my benefit. Absolutely. My brother cheated me out of my father's will. And you mean it's for my benefit to forgive the louse? Yes. Because when we forgive, it is not for for the benefit of the one who's caused the injury. It's for our benefit. Oh, my God, open our eyes to see that. That it's for our benefit he wants us to forgive. He wants to live that abundant life that Jesus spoke about. And we can only do that by forgiveness. Scripture says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Respect, communion... Love and compassion and forgiveness. I wonder, is the Holy Spirit giving us a prompt and telling us that there's something there that we need to do? There's something that we need to address? You see, it is no good knowing the answer to a problem It's putting the answer into practice that works. It's no good knowing that respect works. We've got to do it. It's no good knowing that communion works. We've got to do it. It's no good knowing that love works. We've got to do it. It's no good knowing that forgiveness works. We have to do that. I wonder, what is God saying to us this morning? Maybe there's someone here and you've never yet come to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is saying to you, hey, come on. I want you to come into the kingdom. I want you to come and accept me and find my love, find my forgiveness. I've finished. But I know that the Holy Spirit is working on folks. I know that people are feeling uneasy and uncomfortable, that's not because of me. That's because the Holy Spirit, in love, is reaching out to you. Let's pray. Now, our time has gone, so I'm not going to prolong this. But I'm just going to ask. I would like to pray... Uh, for folks, is there anyone here? And you've been coming for a long time or not so long time, but you've never accepted Jesus as your Saviour. And this morning you feel constrained to say, yes, Lord, I know about you, but I want you to come into my life. Now, if that's you, I'd like to pray with you. I won't ask you to do anything else. Just raise your hand and I'll pray with you. I'm looking to my right hand side of the church at the moment now I'm looking to my left hand side this side you want to know Jesus as your saviour Okay. has the Lord spoken to you about anything that we've been talking about? I don't want to know what it is Uh, that's none of my business that's between you and God but I would love to include you in the prayer before i hand back uh to rachel if the lord's spoken to you about something raise your hand and i'll pray with you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you yeah yeah yes yes i see those hands heavenly father you're such a good god And you know these dear folk that you've spoken to through your Holy Spirit. I just pray now that the calm and sereneness of your love will be upon them. And that whatever decision they need to make, that you will give them the courage and the tenacity to take that decision. Lord, may they have the patience to hang on until they really see your results coming through and we just thank you for our families father may they be blessed in you and our family at junction 10 oh god let your blessing be upon us we pray in jesus name amen